0: hello everyone thank you for checking out this special episode of really dicey this is Manny and I am here with Michael Dismuke you may know me from continuing conversations
1: which is of course another podcast that's all about star trek adventures rpg and continuing missions which is the number one fan site for star trek adventures rpg of course um, i'm also a freelance writer for star trek adventures as is
2: how's it going guys al spader uh freelance writer um working a lot with the star trek adventures uh franchise been working on several books now and some digital releases as well All right, excellent excellent I, i'm so glad that, that... Have a chance to talk to you both
0: here um because we're going to talk about a very interesting topic um talking about star trek Adventures, a role-playing game um the uh horror aspects how do you add elements of horror to star trek um and just to let uh people know that this is not you know we're not gonna go anything too gory so don't worry we're not gonna uh this is still pg <laughs> <laughs> mm. um and, and in fact, uh, Star Trek is isn't gory in itself. Um, there are elements of horror, I would say, you know, but that that's just it. It doesn't go uh, anywhere too um, uh, too harsh, I would say. Uh, would you would you both agree to that? Totally. I think I think one of the things is
1: people sometimes what mistake what horror is. It always has to do with gore, and it doesn't. Sometimes it does, and that can be scary in itself. But Star Trek, over the generations, you know, since it came out in the '60s, has had horror elements in many of the best episodes that we like. I mean, and so it was so great, Manny, when you brought this up. I started doing a little research and as I started scrolling through the horror episodes, I was like, oh, oh, these are some of my favorites. So um, I was <laughs> glad you brought this subject
0: up. Yeah, I, I think I think um people mistake Star Trek Star Trek as some as a series that uh, I don't know. I think I think when people first hear Star Trek they they think you know, it's a very intellectual show, and and, and it, it's a it's a good conversation about ethics and morality. There's all of that, you know. But there's some once in a while there's just some episodes that we really like uh, figure out. I know even though this was meant to be horror, the, the episodes with the Borg, uh, that that blew my mind. I was like, what is this? And it was just it was this unstoppable force that you know. And it's, and then when Picard was was captured and we, we weren't sure he was coming back next season, that uh, that terrified me. You know,
2: yeah, I think I think one of the key components of um, horror, especially when we're talking in science fiction, is um, the change to your normal routine. Whether that be through like some type of uh, psychic manipulation or some new threat that you aren't familiar with, um, changing the laws of physics, things like that can all be attributed to a horror type story. Because really, horror is—it's more like a plot. Uh, than necessarily an individual thing that you're adding to an, an episode. You know, whor- horror films have several different types of plots that they follow. Um, and I think every one of them can be applicable in a sci-fi setting.
1: Yeah, I I, I think I'm going j- j- to just kind of frame it a little bit too, is think about some non-Star Trek shows that are horror, but they're not necessarily gory, but you're on the edge of your seat. And that could be something like, uh, I always think about Kathy Bates in Misery, where you're just terrified and just one scene of the key trying to get into the door is freaking you out and is she coming home? And so that that kind of stuff actually plays in a lot of Star Treks with, where you don't know what's around the corner or you don't know what's out to get you. And that in RPG terms, I know for uh, outplays in one of my games, um, it's when your players don't know what's coming is when you have horror. It doesn't necessarily need to be an axe murderer. Uh, it's just that sense of dread that
0: d- does take some skill to weave into an RPG. Hmm. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, so when you're running a game of Star Trek and you want to add those elements of tension a bit, uh, where do you go? Like what what do you do? You uh, watch or read things first, or like where where does your mind go when you prepare? Adventures like these? You wanna go first, Al, or you want me
2: to? Well, I would just, um, you know, I would make sure that first my group knows what the expectations are. Um, and uh, if you build a level of trust with your group, um, there are things that you can do Uh, that maybe you wouldn't be able to do if you're just sitting down with someone for the first time at a convention, for example. Um, uh, I think that you always want to get consensus on what people are comfortable with um, before you decide what you want to do. Because if multiple people at your table aren't okay with mind control, for example, and that was something that you were going to put in, um, that might be something that you want to shy away from. Um, I like Personally, when I'm developing uh the sense of this dread, I like twisting the laws of physics and making things not normal um, because that puts a sense of unease in everyone because they don't know the immediate answer.
1: Yeah. Are they will and the thing is, are are your players willing to trust you? with a game that might not have the standard Star Trek happy ending. Um, I, I think about a story, one of my favorite Voyager episodes, which is kind of horror called Darkling. And it's when the doctor had that sub program that was super dark. And at the end of the episode, you don't know if he's really purged himself of that program um that leaves everyone like man this guy could come back at any time you know (laughs) um and we played some games i remember a game that we played which was a star trek adventures module and it was called darkness um really good module and um al actually was one of the lead players in it because it was a very uh like he's a flight controller at that time and some of the things we did to create the element is how you describe the setting and in this case it was darkness it was that every step they took, they couldn't see 10 meters ahead of them. And it was pretty riveting. Al, you can speak to it for yourself because you were on the receiving end of that. Um, but but that episode to me still, it, it, when I picture it, it's very uh, dark when we played the game and it had a sad ending too. It, it didn't
0: necessarily have a ha ending. And I consider that one of our best four episodes. I agree with everything you said about, especially when you're playing with new players. Um, I know when I go to conventions, I never do horror or uh, even with even certain tense situations, even like uh, something like, um, uh, like a superhero game that I've run a few times that uh, even then I have to kind of be careful and scale it back and make sure I don't do anything too stressful or or be careful I don't I don't exactly um, uh, bring up a, a, a situation where people become very uncomfortable. Um, so that's definitely talk to if you're playing with new players, especially definitely talk to them about um uh you know, what kind of game you're setting up you know what horror has a really huge umbrella it's it, it is it could be uh there's so many different types there's besides gore there's also like uh folk horror which is tend to, tends to be the the something that's coming back into popularity again with like movies like midsummer and 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 some of movies like that um
1: no, I actually want to talk about that before you skip off of that, I think it's good for people who are listening to know how wide the range of horror is, because for me, I'm not a blood and guts kind of person. never. Like violence, to me, I, I I did a podcast about minimizing violence in games. You may minimize violence. You don't have to minimize horror. so so you have a large range to create horror, and I'd like to talk about that because some of the things you could have is disease, which happens a lot in Star Trek. That's horrible when a disease mm. is you know, going through. Um, and those diseases could even be things that, for instance, um, I'll call them cybernetic diseases, things that are plaguing the ship in the way of virus that could compromise the health and safety of your crew. So putting players on a timeline to fix something before they figure out that they're sucked into space or they freeze to death. These are timelines that you can get really people at step, um, especially when their loved ones are at danger. We know that generally the main characters have plot immunity. So the players kind of need to know that you're not out there to kill them. But you know what? By building early on threads where they have loved ones, families, friends that are on the ship or are about to be affected and they know their NPCs do not have plot immunity, that can really engage players.
0: Hmm. Do you feel the same way, Al? Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah. I I think that that is... Uh, a very good way to, uh, engage everyone. Um, I do think that like, there are certain types of horror that, um, that are easier to, uh, present to a group of people, right. Um, like I, the whole universal monsters thing was all about, you don't know if the person sitting next to you is the werewolf right? You don't know if the person sitting next to you is the vampire, right? So, you know, I I think that like you could do little simple things like that to build tension where people might be subconsciously questioning each other. Um, even though realistically maybe none of them have that element that you're plugging in at all, but it doesn't mean that their characters aren't processing. Well, you know, maybe the commander over there, he's got that, you know, bluegill in his head, you know, like you just, you just don't know. And I think that that's probably like one of the easiest ways to slide in um, some thriller uh, slash horror elements to a story. Hmm. I, I've i been trying to
0: create a game with not just with star trek but in general and i've been having difficulty with there's an episode of star trek next generation called parallels with war and to me that's also a very uh frightening episode at least very very tense because you're you're dealing with you're dealing with like don't like your sense of reality keeps getting distorted and change and what your your foundation is you know with your friends and where you're living at and and your, uh, your family it keeps drastically changing each time something i don't want to spoil it for anyone has seen it the mm. it keeps changing it whenever something happens um so i i agree with you i you don't have to be scary you know you have to go for scare
1: well, yeah and along the same veins another tng episode that that really got me and I thought it was so constructed well like a stage play. And in fact, that was the buildup that it was a stage play was when Riker, um, the episode Frame of Mind, where he was imprisoned by aliens and he's having he's disassociated from reality and what stage play and these these elements keep melding together. That was a brilliant episode, similar to parallels, where this was horrible. He was in a horrible situation. And you could actually, if you could talk to your players, like sometimes um, I'll take a couple players aside and I say, hey, I'm writing this story. Are you willing to play along to create some horror? And this character is going to take the brunt of it. I know uh, Al's one of my best conspirers on that. We we lost his character for like three episodes. They all thought he was dead to create some horror. Um, and if you can, as a game master, do that, you can create Emmanuel like episodes, Manny uh, episodes, where the wharf character, whoever's that player character, doesn't know that you, that the other player character is going to be acting along with you as the GM. And you can create some really fun scenarios that way that become super memorable games. Mm.
2: Yeah, I would like to, I'd just like to put a plug in for uh, Monty Cook Games has a really cool checklist um, that you can give your players. uh, And it basically goes through like all the different Potential horror elements that could uh, show up in a story, and the characters say, "Well, I would be comfortable role-playing that. I would be comfortable if that happened off-screen, or I'm not comfortable with that at all." Um, I found that thing and 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 fell in love with it immediately, and I, I've seen it passed around quite a bit on the internet. Um, but uh, it's a good way to get a uh, get the pulse of your players um, and to uh, to see what sort of little strings. Uh, you can pull now once you've built that level of trust like michael and i have um you know you can start doing more and more stuff with your players once they know that you're not out to get them that you're just trying to tell a cool narrative um yeah. so. i like
1: what al said too about not knowing who the monster is i think the way mm-hmm. the, the way to ruin a good horror story is by let, letting them know in act 1 or act 2 who the monster is that ruins the suspense that ruins the tension cuz honestly just like in real life, players' imagination is far worse than anything you were planning to do with them. <laughs> so if you just build an act one and act two and don't let them know what the problem is, believe me, they're paranoia. <laughs> and you just sit there like, mm, maybe you know, um, that's a great way to to build up suspense. So so hide the monster
0: if possible. So let's talk about game mechanics a little bit. Um, so think, let me give you an example of uh, riddles. Like, this is not, not really horror, but sometimes I don't like in real life when I'm playing a game, role-playing game with someone, use real riddles, you know, like, because sometimes they just won't get it, you know, like, you know, what, but what if you just, it, I've had that happen once and I spent like hours and they just ruined the game. So what I've done is I use the mechanics of the game so that their characters can roll to see if they got the riddle. You know, um, I I realized you can also do that when it comes to horror. You don't have to, like, try to scare your players. Um, it's really the characters in the story that have to be really scared or tensed up. Um, uh, would would you how would you use the mechanics of the game um, to help do that? H- have you used that?
2: So uh, so I was I, I've been recently prepping some Octoon Cthulhu. Uh, to run at my store and the awesome thing about the 2d 20 system is that like across the board the rules are pretty much applicable to all the different games um and i was like okay so they do a lot with like mental horror and like uh you know mental uh facilities uh, faculties uh disappearing and whatnot and i was going to talk about that and then i was flipping through um this happy book uh the game master guide hmm. And I got to page 212 and 213, um, where it talks about mental attacks. Uh, and it says that um, instead of having a physical beatdown with a batlet, um, characters can try to wear each other down mentally um, and literally just because it's it's all goes to stress um but it's just a different type of attack um and uh there's different it talks about different resistances that you can have like if you've got a high morale at that time or maybe if your uh xo just gave you the direct um task uh how you would have resistance against a mental attack um so that's one way i know that uh people that like to use the old ones like to use like people going crazy and things like this, but this is one way to kind of like manage it in the same system. It's still just an attack. You use a slightly different um, uh, resistance uh, to that attack and it comes off of your stress as normal. So that's one way that um, you can keep track of this type of stuff. So that's, uh, I think that's one option. Um, the other option is fatigue. Um, and I don't know if you guys have followed up on the fatigue rules or anything like that. Um, but it's also, uh, right here on, uh, page two thirteen, where it's talking about, um, when you take a point of fatigue, that means that you're worn out mentally or physically. So if something is scaring you, something is stressing you out, um, you can have the players take fatigue, and basically, what that does is it lowers your maximum stress value by one. And if you ever, if your maximum stress value ever lowers to zero, then you're you just fall, fall, you pass out because you're too scared, essentially. Um, so I think that both of those, um, ideas could uh, be a way to actually use mechanics to build the horror type feel. I, I have the uh, favorite mechanic
1: I use to build tension. And fear in my players, and it's aptly named, is threat. So (laughs) what I'll do is in Acts 1 and 2, I will pile it on and not spend it. I will pile it up. The most we've ever collected, I think, is I've had 41 points of stress. And it was a horrible episode in that they were stuck in a subspace tunnel. And these creatures that were coming after them we're not gonna be easily defeated. It was a, a module that Tony Pye, one of our contributors on Continuing Mission, had written. Um, and I remember they were like, When are you spending this threat? And it translated into their characters' desperation, like, we can't fight these people. We need to get out of here. Um, and when it came, when it came down, if they you know if they started getting a little bit um, uh, comfortable, I would toss ten points down. Boom, you know, just and show them you are dealing with a force you cannot handle right now. So that mechanic there, Manny, is pile on the threat. Let them know it's getting darker, colder, scarier, more hissing in the background, more noises they don't know. That's how the threat pool represents to me. Like Act Three, you're gonna. Have a hard time, um and i I like that mechanic
0: hmm. so in your opinion, uh, I'm gonna shift the topic just a slightly a little bit. Um, let's look into like what makes space scary um, uh, before I answer that, let me have you both answer it first what what's what is it about space that, even though we want to explore it, its also um, we also have a sense of fear about it. You know,
1: it's funny. I think we've talked about this before, Alan, in a different interview. But people are more afraid of going in a submarine than into space. Like, if you think about just the idea of getting into a claustrophobic submarine and go down five miles and the creatures you see, and knowing that any malfunction means instant death—that's mm. space. I mean, so even though they look real comfortable on the Enterprise, especially Picard's Enterprise, and they look like you know, it's the it's we call it the love boat in space they're one second away from death at any time and i think it's actually very important for players to realize that so weaving into episodes that you know you don't you can't make mistakes in space and and that alone if your players don't understand that then you need to have an episode just focused on that so they really appreciate that they're in a cocoon a life shell trying to get from point a to point b but it's 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 a fearsome thing if you really think about it hmm.
2: Yeah, and and I think to follow that up, I, I think it's uh, like the the fear of the unknown. Like, yeah, we're we're all wanting to be explorers and to uh, be discoverers and things like that. But what we don't know is often a terrifying thing in our head. Um, so you know, the just something from a bizarre particle that you saw that you've detected flowing through space that doesn't normally exist there. That. That can be scary if you describe it and play it up correctly and have it interact with the players or the ship uh, in a way that they don't suspect.
1: Yeah, and things they don't understand. To back that up, it's like have a creature or something that does not communicate any way like we communicate, and it's not going to change. And that alone can create a disjointed feeling because most players will fall into, okay, these people are beyond us. And that's a horrifying prospect. Sometimes when, for instance, you know, if you have a creature who's we just played a game recently where, where the creature's sole purpose was to procreate through metamorphosis using bodies and that's all they ever knew so they needed a host body in order to come to be and and the players when they figured that out were like oh no you know it just it, and so and it wasn't going to stop the creatures could not exist without this function and that creates a
0: level of horror meeting these creatures that just don't operate at all like we do mm. so speaking of creatures um and i'm going to use the word antagonists instead of like monsters because i've noticed in star trek as a team where um, maybe enemies with someone, but eventually uh peace is always the goal. Um, but has there been anything maybe that's a, not just antagonist, but maybe um hazards in Star Trek that uh oh like when you think about it, always tends to you up. Right? Like maybe from a special episode or a movie or a book. The Borg. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean uh, they're horrible. There's no
1: beating the Borg and Uh, We talked about it um, on on some other podcasts before that if you're a game master and your players are easily beating the Borg, then you're actually not playing the Borg correctly. You're not creating the horror. You're not amping up the horror level. If you look at the stats that Aaron Paulier, he wrote the stats in the discovery guide. No, in the Delta Quadrant book, all the Borg stats on the ships. These are ships you cannot take out in a fight, and that creates horror. Just knowing that all of a sudden in the same sector is detect you detect the Borg. Everybody on that ship should be trying to figure out how to get away from it. Mm-hmm. So you've got instant dread right there. Just looking at those mechanics, there, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think the Borg are are cool, almost like um, like a, a zombie parallel like if you really think about, uh, if you want to attribute it to horror. uh, I think that like equally so the the Undine were very terrifying once they showed up and, blew up a Borg cube with a tiny little ship. You know what I mean? Uh, so I, I I think that they're equally terrifying. The trilateral stature is very bizarre. And um, I th- I think that they are, and I think fluidic, sp- fluidic space in general is very terrifying um, because mm-hmm. it's so different than what we know. Um, so that, that type of stuff, I've, i you know, I, I know it was only like four episodes of Voyager, but I really, really, mm-hmm fell for that
1: yeah and if you take it to the coda novels i don't know if either of you had the chance to finish the coda novels that dayton ward um uh david mack uh ah, the third person just spelled me um on it but but the um the protagonists in there uh, i mean the antagonists um they were from star trek the next generation the episode where the little Energy modules were yep. sucked into their heads. I just forgot their names, but that was a a, a a terrifying trilogy. If you had a chance to read it, called Coda, and it's the you know knowing that your actions could mean the collapse of everyone you know and love, and it and destroy your very universe. These are real Star Trek level common themes, and. The way they dragged it out. So you're seeing all the little timelines collapse and all your loved ones and favorite characters die. One of the good things in a game you could do as a game master is why don't you write the end of Spock your own way? Or why don't you write the end of Voyager characters your own way in a game? Scare your characters if all of a sudden Balana Torres dies at the beginning of Act One. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, bring in major characters that they love. And boom, use those and freak your characters like, wow, this is a heavy game. And I felt Coda did that really well. I'm not going to give any more spoilers about it. But it's just that buildup. Again, you don't have to attack the players, but attack their environment, change their world. Because they want to be stable. They love their world, right? And when you threaten that, that creates a really big aspect of war.
2: And if you want to go back to the Universal Monsters comparison, like the Changelings... You know, if you if you find out that on your ship, one of the 100 changelings that were sent out is on your ship somewhere, you know, <laughs> who is it? You know what I mean? Like, um, I think that Battlestar Galactica did a great job with that in season three on who the final five Cylons were. Right. That was like mm-hmm. kind of the the big uh, subplot that was going on through that season. And I think you could do the same thing and build the same suspense if you know that somebody on your ship is a changeling, but you don't know who. You know,
0: Hmm. I'll I'll share because you both actually took some of my options. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But there's one—I don't know if you um, remember—I think a schism from Next Generation. Um, I think that that to me is probably not just scary, but also a great mystery as well. Like the build-up to finding out who they are. I think they would have revealed that in the beginning. It would been like, oh, okay, all right. But the fact that this is this mystery that they built up, I think that was just such a uh, masterwork of, of writing. Uh, something that yeah. I try to do for my games as well.
1: well there's a reason. I, I don't know if any of you recognize the picture behind me, <laughs> but, but that's from an Enterprise episode called Dead Stop. And when I thought of horror, if, if anyone doesn't know the plot, the Enterprise finds this alien space station that's more than happy to make repairs and it's fixing up their ship wonderfully, but all of a sudden, they start finding out that there's an insidious dark side to it, especially when they find a room full of different bodies from different species, and I was, that's one of my favorite Enterprise episodes, because you think, oh, this is great, maybe they'll have this, you know, this this space station every single episode, what a great boon, but there's a dark side to it, so give your players something cool that they're all celebrating, and then start twisting it out a little bit, it could Hmm. even be a all of that program moriarty style you know um but but there's ways to again it's all about not I, i'm going to go back to what i was saying don't let them know who the monster is but let them start suspecting it in the first two acts of your game uh once the reveal happens then they figure out oh man i'm in deep it's kind of like when picard and data figured out that they were actually in the moriarty program mm. now they're like oh I got, you know, that, that, that was the act three at that point. So you could, you could do, a, a, you know, a lot of fun with that, save that threat, make them do some extended uh, uh, tasks to figure it out, puzzle it out. You're talking about riddles. I translate riddles into extended tasks where each level of the extended task, they get some information along the way that helps them answer the riddle. And it's funny, players actually feel satisfied. Like they actually figured it out because of that. So that's one way to, you know, break down riddles with the mechanics.
2: And you you can totally even do uh, the uh, you know the big monster type horror. Tra- I think of like Ar- uh, Ar- Ar- Armus, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of a horror element, right? This is the collection of all evil from a species, essentially, right? <laughs> and and it's t- it's technologically better than you, and it actually kills a member of your crew. Like it's I think that like you can do it. Um, if you weave it into a more science fiction type frame as well. Yeah, you can, I'm going to just, so now we're riffing off episodes. It's
1: really good because I'm thinking about all the different ways to construct it. So, you know, I was saying act one and act two, don't let them know there's a monster, but monster, but then you can in act one reveal the monster. I think about discovery context for Kings where they go onto the ship and bodies are mangled and twisted and actually act three reveals that there's not a monster at all. You're the monster. Him. Ooh, that was like really cool how they twisted that and they make the tardigrade the hero in that sense. Um, I, So there's different ways to do it. You know, start with some shocking imagery at the beginning and have them reveal who the real monster is, which is normally
0: themselves, could be themselves, which is really sad and scary. For anyone that may they may have trouble constructing something uh, with a lot of tension, is there any books uh, from that line, would you recommend? Uh, I'm going to I'm
1: going to plug Al. I'm going to plug. Um, He wrote two different mission brief modules, which you could really build into scary. And I played through some of them and they are one's called anomalies. So you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what you're dealing with. Um, And then recently he did psychic excursions, incursions. Um, and he did a really good job when I use those or he uses them on on us. <laughs> you don't know what you just don't know what you're getting and and you don't you're not sure if pure science is going to solve it or is this a mental thing or is this uh, an archaeological thing, you know, and, and that again creates creates that tension that the players don't know the answer at first. And of course, humans always think the worst. So they freak themselves out. You don't need to freak them out. So anomalies and psychic incursions, I would have to plug those two. Um, they're the most malleable for scary. um for scary mission briefs.
2: Yeah. And, and I'll plug you right back to on the uh, Utopia Planitia stuff. Um, because I, I, we talk about space being scary, right? And we've got mining operations and salvage operations, right? Uh, and so you build in, uh, you know, you've got little rules in there for the different types of things that you might be mining, or, you know, how you might scavenge a, a derelict ship. Uh, and you start that, at your base. And then you start building upon it by adding, you know, uh, this is where you add a unique alien. This is where you might add, you know, an enemy ship that's bearing down on you, you know, things like that. um, I think are good um, ways to pace your way through a mission when you're talking about a three act formula.
1: Yeah. And there's some free, there's also some free modules out there too, Manny. Um, One of the writers, he goes by ELH. And he actually wrote an entire bunch of horror modules that you can find on continuing missions. If you type in ELH and horror, there's actually ones that are just bent toward that. And those are really, more, they're way more detailed than mission briefs. So there's a lot of free stuff out there too. I'm going to plug in because we played one and it was kind of scary. So so um, th- those are some good, ELHs, I will have to say, if you look at that, um, you're going to get some good guidelines. The one I always rave about though, I will say, it's one of my favorite modules of all times. I plug it every time I can. And Christopher Bennett wrote one um, called Callback Yesterday. And the potential for horror in that one is really good. That's one that you can purchase at Modiphius, but that would be, that, that really affected my crew big time. And again, it was their minds going off into different tangents, which was scarier than anything I could have ever written.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, and in addition, I think that you could take the Tilly call um, from the Shackleton book and, and create a, an entire horror campaign out of, them, right? If you make them almost like these, um, these silent manipulator, almost ghost-like figures. Um, I think that you could easily, uh, take that book and just shift a couple of things and, and, and tweak a couple of, um, you know, environments and whatnot and have a really tight horror campaign. Can you tell we play a lot, Manny? <laughs>
0: The, the, the adventures you mentioned in the beginning, can that, is that uh, PDFs only? Is that found through the Join uh, Missions website?
1: They're free. Actually, the ones we talked about from like the mission briefs, psychic ex- incursions, and all the mission briefs, you go to Modiphius and type in mission briefs, they're all free downloads. So okay. those are like the best deal. You and we have can... what, seven of them now? Six or seven of them out now?
2: Yeah, I think seven right now. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I'll, I'll put a link in the description and- below. Each one, each one has ten mission, one page missions essentially, um, that kind of guide you through just the skeleton, and then you plug in uh, or use it however you you wish within your campaign. Yeah,
1: and I'll always plug the social media too. People go onto either Discord or Facebook or Reddit, and they ask the like, hey, I want to make this scary. Or do you have any ideas? The response from social media is like always amazing, including a lot of creators and writers. Jim Johnson from Adipheus is always over there. Nathan Dowdell is always out there, the designer of the game. Um, so I've really found out, you know, I, I try to send questions that my players don't see if possible when I'm prepping campaigns, but you get a lot of feedback if you're trying to build a game or a special campaign. There's a lot of experts out there willing to help
0: yeah I'm very impressed with how the uh, the team at Modifius um chimes in on social media a lot, you know and help answer a lot of questions. Uh, I don't think there's I don't think there's not too many um interesting posts that I've seen that that not that someone from that team doesn't answer right? Excellent. So, uh, this has been a great conversation before we wrap up. Is there any last words, any last thoughts? Um I'll, yeah, I'll
1: go first. Uh, a lot. I pulled out that book, The Game Master's Guide, which came out from Adipius two years ago, or maybe 2021, early 2021. And my biggest thing is respect your player group. So build the trust, establish your um, rules, your code of conduct for your group, find out what they're acceptable in the way of gore, um, in the way of violence, in the way of horror, all those kind of mind control that, you know, and then ask them to trust you. And then be good to your players. Reward them for for playing with you, and even stop a couple times during the game if it's getting really deep. D- deep and check with everyone. Like, is it all right? Are you are you all all right? Can you trust me a little bit longer? Um, but you do want to check in, and once you go through that a couple times with your players, they're going to know that you're not out to kill them, um, and they're going to help you write a great story. They'll fall forward into the into the action. So that's my only thing. Is Game Master's Guide outlines that in detail. But if you really want to do a horror game, uh, make sure everyone's going to feel good at the end of it, even if it's scary. Hmm.
2: Yeah, and I'll, I'll echo a little bit about what Michael said, but I really liked um, how you said that this is a story that we're writing together. Um, and I think that horror is uh, such a unique uh, way of telling a story. It should never really be a gotcha Right. Because that can put a sour taste in some players mouths. Right. Um, So uh, obviously, if you have been playing with the same group for more than a year and you've got that level of trust, that's when you can start building that stuff in. But I would I would caution anyone from just springing it on a group of people um, without them knowing. Um, And I think that uh, you can learn a lot about a character if you put them through a moment where they're scared, right? Hmm. And that's really what we're talking about when we're playing Star Trek adventures is how does your character develop? How do they act? How do they react um, when things aren't exactly the way they think they should be? Right. Um, So you're, you're pushing the characters to their limits mentally um, and challenging, uh, challenging them uh, to, to work through their fears um and i think that that's uh, a really important piece uh if you wish to run a horror campaign yeah and, and one last thing on that is
1: you can do this online but you can't really do it effectively around the table and on discord we're able to separate our players in some forums and so leaving being alone is the worst fear of most people so so if you're able on a online platform to separate out one player and leave them alone that's scary enough sometimes that's all you need is the creaking sounds and really good descriptions of the area and they can't find their friends and their communicators not working <laughs> you know play around with that maybe at first go soft shoe on them you know but again that only works really on a on a electronic um an online environment if you can separate people into different rooms
0: mm. Uh the only last thing i'll add is that if if you're if you have players that are new to Star Trek and you want to show them something quick, quick being like 45 minutes, um, uh, something a little bit, maybe more, a little more modern uh, Star Trek of uh, strange new worlds. I think does a great job. And uh, it's, it's, it's just came out and uh, each episode is enough. They kind of, I think you teach game masters uh, how to frame stories just from that. Um, I would say Discovery and Picard, but they're such—they're like long-season story arcs, and that might be tough to emulate. Uh, but Stranger Worlds, I'll definitely recommend because uh, there's some episodes like, well, this is pretty creepy," <laughs> you know. Yeah, although. Funny enough, as much as I try to make my games like a series at Strange New Worlds, it ends up be- becoming more like Lower Decks, but, um, <laughs> you know, but.
1: yeah, I, I Lower Decks hasn't really had a scary episode yet that I can think of. But. Oh, no, actually, I'll, I'll give it for the one when they went to um, the medical clinic. I, I was scared going into <laughs> it like, what are we about to see? And they had all these weird people who had all these accidents, and at the end, there was that act three humorous reveal, but that was a pretty scary episode,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. Again, thank you both for taking part in this uh, really fun conversation. Um, so again, you could, if you're looking at this at Really Dicey, you can find them at, um, I'll put the link to the YouTube channel, um, Continuing Conversations. Yep, that's on Podbeam. They can get us there on YouTube at Continuing Conversations. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you're watching this on that channel, you could check out, <laughs> if you'll check out my channel, Really Dicey. Well, I do um, watch
1: you. So just so everyone knows, it's gold <laughs> stuff,
0: especially all, you, I love all your um, Star Trek Adventures-based based, uh, podcast too. It's great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so yes, everyone, uh, uh take care uh, live long and prosper. We'll see you soon.